What's up, podcast listeners? Your host, Profound Matuszewski, for another edition of the podcast and video thing that I've been doing and posting on my YouTube. And shout out to everyone who's been listening and subscribing. And once again, I'm going to say it over and over again. If you are listening, 100% hit the show notes and watch this video because it's going to be um, quite visual and I'm going to do some demos and also some exercise selection things that you can do at home before your workouts and your warm-ups, whatever it is, and uh, also subscribe. Um, so we're going to do some shout-outs because I always tend to forget and hopefully my laptop works here. Um, so 100% I am going to butcher this name and I feel terrible but I am one of those people that can't pronounce things apparently. Um, so really cool, the last 24 hours, um, this one city out in Mexico has been listening to my show 441 times. Oh, here I go. Tuxtla Gutierrez. 100% butchered that. I apologize. So anyone from Mexico, please reach out and let me know how to pronounce it correctly. And I've done that one more t uh, once before. It was like a city out in Sweden or someone. And someone actually on my Facebook reached out and just sent like a little voice clip and memo of how to pronounce it. So shout out to that person who did that like, I don't know, a year ago. Um, and then my number two most listened city all the way in Colorado, the city of Boulder. And number three, all the way in California, the city of San Francisco. So, funny enough that San Fran is my third most listened city because literally a year ago today, I was in San Fran for my functional release seminar and it was literally the last conference thing that I've went to where you actually got to travel. And it's kind of surreal that this whole pandemic now is like reaching its one year milestone for many of us when it comes to looking back a year ago today. But anyway, onwards and upwards, as they say, um, what we're going to talk about today is knee pain, because honestly, I think as much as everyone would like to think that, you know, they've done a good job trying to stay pain-free. We've all kind of experienced either some serious knee pain or just some knee pain that is annoying and you've had to modify a lot of exercises and things like that. And I wanna get into kind of like the anatomy of it, why it matters, um, common reasons why people get knee pain and kind of wrap it all up with some suggestions and some exercise prescription and things like that. And I think probably the biggest thing when it comes to knee pain is figuring out why, because most likely it's going to happen again. And I think a lot of us who've gone to either a physio, chiro, massage, whatever it is, a lot of times when it comes to knee pain, they tend to treat just the knee itself and again like that's a good thing to do to kind of lower inflammation and like you know the quality of the pain so then when you leave the clinic you can actually walk and not feel completely destroyed but there's usually a um an underlying issue that's got to look on the bigger picture so in my industry or 
I don't even know where I stole this saying from, but um, the knee joint is considered the stupid joint because it's usually dictated by the hip and the ankle. So usually when I see a patient or I have a client dealing with knee pain, right away I'm looking at how um, the hip and ankle move and the surrounding musculature. And then I also look at the knee itself because the knee needs to be able to move and I'll kind of explain why. So um, this is where the laptop is gonna come super in handy. Um, Cause again, I am a huge visual learner. And when it comes to anatomy, me just saying, you know, um, muscles doesn't really help anyone. And I feel like a lot of times when people are at, um, what's it called, uh, conferences or whatever, and people yell out a, not yell out, say out a muscle name and everyone's supposed to know what that is. But um, just like last time, I'm really hoping that you guys will be able to see this. So this guy right here, well, you can see the ring light. Oh, there you go. It looks better. Um, so this is the sartorius muscle. So if you can see, I'm trying to get the ring out of there. Ooh, my laptop is super dirty. But you can see how the red line is kind of focused on where the muscle is. You can kind of see where it, it attaches from the hip to the knee. And the interesting thing about the sartorius or the next muscles I'm going to be kind of talking about is that the fact that they cross two joints. So it already shows how much influence now that this hip that may not be working the way it should um, is influencing the knee. So we already have one muscle that we're going to be talking about and some other ones down the line about how it influences our movement, right? Um, so if you think about one giant muscle literally running from your hip all the way down to your knee, we already have kind of a clue of where to go. So now I'm thinking, okay, what other, you know, muscle out there in the hip slash knee region would be also connected? So let's pull up the quadricep muscle. So again, stupid ring light. So the green, you can see how it's connected to our pelvis and then goes all the way down to the knee. Another great example. And I think for most of us, you know, sitting at a desk all day, we can assume that those quads are quite tight. And if you are like anyone else out in the world, foam rolling, and you get to your quads, I think all of us go, oh shit, that's tight, ooh, that doesn't feel good. And then you wonder why a lot of people end up having hip pain, I mean not hip pain, sorry, knee pain. Um, the other one that I wanna bring up as well is the muscle called the gracilis. So if you, again, you can see past my damn ring light. Pelvis, inside of the pelvis is basically an adductor. It goes across, again, inside towards the knee. So I've already brought up a bunch, well, three muscles so far, um, how they're connected to the knee. So now imagine those three muscles are not functioning the way they should, they might have some tightness, and that's in air quotes, and that's going to influence how the knee moves. So for example, if I know that my quads are super tight, and I'm trying to do an exercise like 
a reverse lunge. And I actually wanna demo that. So I'm gonna move this guy and hopefully I don't mess anything up. So actually I'm gonna make this go a little bit lower. Thank you for bearing with me. So we are looking at my right leg. If I know that my quad goes from the hip down over towards my knee, and I know that these guys are super tight because I'm in this position all day, and I go into a reverse lunge, and all of this is now being stretched, and I go down into that reverse lunge, I'm gonna start feeling that tightness going all the way down from my hip down towards my knee. So if I allow my muscle to, again, air quotes, stay tight, things like reverse lunges, jogging, running, like anything that requires you to do hip extension is probably not going to be um, the best feeling. And that knee is going to kind of take on a lot of that pressure. Now, if we think about this atorius that goes from the hip across and then down into the inside of the knee. And we're also thinking about the gracilis that goes from the inside of our pelvis down into the inside of our knee. And we're trying to do, let's say, lateral lunges, lateral split squats. We're trying to play soccer and all these guys are tight. And that allows our knee to flex and extend because it goes across this way. And this is one of the reasons why in my um, kid stretch class, I do a lot of adductor work because people just have no control over it. So actually a simple um, exercise that I tend to give a lot in my kin stretch classes for um, this specific reason, and I'm gonna try to get this nice and low so you guys can see. So if I was in my 90-90 position with my left leg in front, really simply, all I get people to do in my kin stretch class is to demonstrate their active range when it comes to one hip flexion and um, adductor um, strength actively lifting it up off the ground. So essentially all I tell people to do is to think of getting their left ankle in this case to lift off the ground and hold and isometrically hold it without like leaning back, caving in or anything like that to get these guys stronger. And as we get this guy moving and grooving a little bit better, adding knee extension and flexion, because again, like the thing like the satorius, the gracilis, they're all on the inside that cover our knee. Also our quad again, goes from our hip down over onto our knee. So when it comes to the relation of these uh, muscles that cover two joints, it's probably quite important to also demonstrate not only um, what they can singularly do just at the knee but also at the hip so in this case i'm adding hip flexion and now if i wanted to challenge those three muscles it's also adding some knee extension and flexion to really focus on getting all those muscles um, actively moving uh, through both joints and anytime i throw this exercise or any other kind of variation utilizing those adductors and hip flexors that um, cross both joints, people have a really, really, really tough time with them. So now that kind of gets my brain kind of thinking like, okay, if people are having trouble with that, just lifting their own leg off the ground, when it comes to 
running, playing soccer, doing lunges, step ups, back squats, deadlifts in the gym, something is going to have to give. And a lot of times it's the knee is going to take up the grunt of the work. And over time, it's kind of like the straw that breaks the camel's back. And now I have soreness around the knee and it might be most likely due to the hip. So other than the muscles that I've just kind of spoke about, there's other ones surrounding the knee that will um, influence how much movement you get. And it's usually all the muscles in your hip that focus on hip flexion. So hip flexion, again, if you don't remember from previous videos, is when I drive my leg up towards the ceiling, I'm doing hip flexion. So if you think about what we do on a daily basis and sit all day, all those hip flexors are gonna end up getting quite tight. And when we have those hip flexors quite tight, it's going to influence how the pelvis moves, right? So if I'm trying to do any, any exercise that requires my lower body, and if I don't have adequate hip mobility, again, the knee kind of takes the grunt of the work and it kind of sucks. So if you think about um, when I demos, demonstrated hip cars, it kind of goes through all the ranges that a healthy hip can do. So if you look here, how I coach hip cars, I also add adduction right off the bat. So kind of similar to what we did here in the 9090, as I'm driving my leg up, I'm going into adduction and external rotation, coming out of it, rotating around and behind. So in a healthy hip, all these ranges should be available with any kind of compensation. So when I do hip cars, you don't see anything else in my body move other than my hip. So going back and forth, I'm demonstrating what a healthy hip can do. So now imagine, you know, the average Joe where they sit all day and those ranges are not available to them. Again, the knee kind of takes the brunt of the work or worse, also the low back. So usually if you find yourself in that pain category where you're trying to move and feel better, you usually have two, I would classify three things, but the most common ones are um, low back pain and knee pain. And then the third one usually is like shoulder pain, all due to what's happening at the hip, right? And if you think about it too, it's like the hip is designed to be a super, super mobile joint. The low back is supposed to be designed as a stable joint and the knee as well is supposed to be designed as a um, stable joint. So if I, you have one joint in the middle between those, it's almost like a sandwich um, that's not doing its job. Now the low back and the knee have to make up for the lack of mobility through the hip. So now that we kind of looked at all the stuff that influences the hip, now we also have another um, kind of player to the game when it comes to knee pain, which is our ankle. So if you think about um, your ankle, it has quite a bit of different um, abilities to do certain movements. So if you think about, again, if you're lunging, walking, playing soccer, running, doing CrossFit, whatever it is, your ankles need some adequate um, ankle mobility. And if you can remember, hopefully you can see, um, ankles 
can either go into plantar flexion, so me pushing my toes straight, or dorsiflexion, driving my toes up towards my knee. So like a simple ankle mobility exercise is just me driving my front knee forward and back and kind of going through the range of angle dorsiflexion. So now if you think about it, um, even how I'm sitting right now in a deep squat, one, I need hip mobility to do that, and two, I also need really, really good ankle mobility. If I don't have ankles that move um, adequately enough, just enough in order for me to squat, um, lunge, step up, whatever it is, again, that knee is going to take up all the work. And if you remember earlier, um, our knee is a stable joint, and it wants to stay stable, but if it doesn't have... Um, hip mobility and ankle mobility, it's like a double whammy, and now you're dealing with a lot of shit. <laughs> um, so, looking at ankle mobility, um, simple things that you can do. One, um, ankle cars to get some motion in there. And ankle cars, I've posted before, but I don't think I've ever brought it up on the show, so if I have my right leg in front and my left leg bent, left hand goes through, right hand holds left hand, and I start drawing big, 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 big circles with my foot. And what's interesting too is when I bring this exercise in my kin stretch classes, almost everyone is really good going here to plantar flexion or dorsiflexion, but when it comes to like going onto the inside or outside limits, to kind of create that circle, it almost is like choppy and like it's not a smooth movement. Because when is the last time have you ever really moved your ankle to those kind of like, if you look at my hand being flat and that's your foot, going into a, you know, inversion or eversion position and adding like abduction and adduction movements. Like, I don't think we've ever really done it because we always walk straight and never into lateral positions to kind of develop that movement. So now when it comes to like squatting, lunging, things like that, if we already know that those outer limits going into inversion, eversion, we're not that, um, let's say, you know, adequate at moving in those ranges, again, that knee's gonna track in weird places and that can cause some pain. So like knee tracking, if you look at my knee, when I want to lunge or anything like that, it should kind of fall in line where my foot is pointing. And a lot of times when people don't have adequate ankle dorsiflexion where I can go forward and like when I test ankle uh, mobility in my assessment, the biggest thing is I get people in this half kneel position and just tell them, okay, to drive your knees as far forward as possible over your toe. And people with really good mobility is like, yeah, sure, no problem. But a lot of times, our body's really, really, really good at cheating movement. I always say this. And it's sometimes a good thing and sometimes a bad thing. So what I usually see, if I am in front of you, and I know I'm wearing all black and I should have worn different clothing, but a lot of times, if you look at my fingers, this is gonna to be to represent my knee. People start going forward and at your end range where your body goes, oh, you don't have enough ankle dorsiflexion, let me give it to you in a different way. So usually what happens, it comes forward and then the hip rotates out to give you more. So it's throwing you into almost internal rotation and that becomes like a movement behavior. So every time you're required to get enough ankle dorsiflexion, whole body goes into this position, 
kind of giving you a false sense of ankle dorsiflexion. And a lot of times that is something called a valgus collapse where the knee caves in. So if I was squatting, I didn't have one adequate hip mobility or enough ankle dorsiflexion or mobility in general, stuff like this happens to get more depth and just even a small little bit because sometimes it's not both knees it's usually just like the ones where i'm coming down in my squat and this will happen to get more and over time same problem say i'm doing lunges split squats it's just like a small little thing where it constantly caves in and you know straw that breaks the camel's back and now it's like okay the inside of my knee is really hurting so kind of moving forward in the next bit that's one of the most common things is people get pain on the inside of their knee due to that valgus collapse because it's just a moving behavior that your body kind of learned to give you a false sense of mobility. Now the other uh, most common kind of painful spot for a lot of people is on the outside of the knee. And again, that goes back to adequate hip mobility, enough ankle mobility, and usually what causes that if you look at the anatomy of kind of the top of the quad and let's actually i think i have a good photo of that just hang on here we're learning together you know this is great where is it so where are we so this guy totally stole it from a different website and you can see the copyright in the back, but um, if you look on this side right here, again, freaking ring light, and we look on the outside where we have our vastus lateralis muscle that kind of goes all underneath where the IT band is. And like, you know, everyone talks about like IT band syndrome. One, you rolling out your IT band over and over and over again is not going to fix um, your IT band syndrome, it's probably just gonna lessen the intensity, but that band is designed to be super, super, super tight. Like you can, I can't remember the number, but they've done a bunch of research where, you know, in order to loosen that IT band, like you almost need like 2000, 2000 pounds of force per square inch to actually like loosen it up. So it's designed to be tight, but, that doesn't mean that the muscles of your hip that run down to the outside of the knee, if all of these are super tight, then that's going to kind of pull on all this stuff and even lightly touching the outside of the knee is going to hurt. So again, we're looking at hip mobility that's preventing you from doing certain exercises, certain movements that'll cause lateral knee pain. Now the other one, in my experience, not that common, but it does happen, is pain on the front side of the knee. And usually, again, quads can be super tight causing the pain in here, but usually like the front of the knee stuff is due to kind of a sports injury. If you've had like an ACL sprain, tear, things like that, um, that causes quite a bit of discomfort and pain. Now, what are some, maybe like knee friendly exercises. Cause I get that question a lot. It's like, hey, if I've had knee pain forever, off and on, it's always been an issue. I've had my ACL reconstructed, whatever it is, right? So one, I kind of look at, okay, we need to have adequate hip mobility, adequate ankle mobility. And when those things are covered, now I'm looking at knee friendly exercises. So 
things like back squats, probably not gonna be a good idea. Things like lunges, probably not gonna be a good idea. Things like step ups, probably not gonna be a good idea. So essentially anything that requires knee flexion is going to bug the knee like a bitch. Like think about all the muscular structure that we were talking about that kind of wraps around the knee. You bending it further, now you're lengthening all this tissue, it's not going to feel fucking great. So you're gonna to have to find things that don't aggravate it. And when we do that, when we find exercises that don't aggravate the knee joint that's causing you pain, it gives it time to settle the fuck down and then you can start working on other stuff to improve the function of the knee, which we'll get to pretty soon. So anyone that I have that has knee pain, I look on, will look for exercises that don't require a lot of knee flexion. So something as simple as glute bridges. So if you look at the nature of the glute bridge, like, yeah, I'm in knee flexion, but most people with knee pain can get into this position without any pain, and we're just doing bridges. We can do single leg glute bridges. We can do feet elevated on a box or a bench um, glute bridges. We can do hip thrusts. We can do single leg hip thrusts. And from there, if we wanted to get a little bit more fancy, single leg deadlift. Like that's gonna be a huge player, because one, it doesn't require a lot of knee flexion, doesn't require a lot of ankle dorsiflexion. So we're kind of on the clear there. Deadlifts in general are gonna be great um, substitution. We can do hamstring curls with a stability ball. We can do glute bridges off the stability ball. Like anything that kind of just keeps the knee in one kind of locked position almost, when you think about any kind of bridge variation, tends to help a lot. Now, looking at the knee joint itself. So if you um, think about it, um, the knee joint does have movement itself. So there's something like your um, shin bone, so your tibia that runs down to your ankle up towards your knee. It's able to actually like move within your knee joint itself. So when I am in a seated position and I'm kind of about to do ankle cars that like we were talking about before, we can teach and also assess if we have adequate tibial rotation in order to lunge, squat, run, or all any lower body um, exercise. And when I have my kin stretch classes, this is the thing that people struggle the most. So I've kind of, based on my own experience, realized that two things. Number one, most people don't have adequate control over their knee joint and adequate um, uh, tibial rotation. And the other one is that people have limited tibial rotation, which throws a lot of things off when it comes to going to the gym. So what a knee car looks like is I drive my toes up towards my face. So now I'm locking out the ankle joint from any kind of movement and it's gonna be solely on just the knee joint itself. I'm also placing my hip into as much knee flexion as, um, not knee flexion, uh, hip flexion as much as possible to ensure that I'm only moving through the tibia. So if I rotate externally, I'm moving my tibia right now within the joint and I go back and forth just like this, almost like a little window wiper and I'm moving my tibia within my knee joint. And a lot of times, I wish I had a little sticky note, but 
you think about it, if you look at my thumb, if I now rotate, now my thumb is out to the side, I rotate in, it's rotating in. So back and forth, I'm moving my tibia. Now think about this position that I'm in right now. It looks very similar to what we do in a daily basis at the gym. So what exercise forces you to go into hip flexion and ankle dorsiflexion? Squats. So if you think about it from a standing position, I'm going into hip flexion and I'm needing ankle dorsiflexion. So what I'm actually doing is asking my body to get adequate tibial rotation. So what if, based on my experience again, in my kin stretch classes that basically everyone that attends, and they do get better over time, has no control of how this tibia moves or they have limited tibial rotation, where's all the pressure gonna go? It's probably gonna go into your low back and it's probably gonna go into your knee over and over and over and over and over again when you're doing squats. And then on top of that, you've signed yourself up to a boot camp bullshit thing where you're doing squat jumps and burpees that all require adequate tibial rotation. So over and over and over, it's like a square pig in a round hole going through and now you have knee pain. So really, really when it comes down to how to fix knee pain is finding exercises that don't flare it up, which we've already went over to, and getting adequate mobility through your ankle and your hip, which we've already went through, and finding um, control over your tibia and getting um, a little bit more range of motion. So, exercise prescription for all those things. Hip cars, which I already demoed, would be number one. Um, hip 90-90 for external rotation. Finding your end range, holding it for two minutes. At the top of two minutes, you're gonna do pails and rails, meaning you're gonna drive your ankle and knee down into the ground as hard as possible for 10 seconds. After the 10 seconds, you'll realize you'll be able to go a little bit further because you just spoke to your nervous system asking for more range. From there, the next thing is your rails. So you're gonna uh, ask your nervous system again for more range of motion by thinking of driving this leg up off the ground without leaning back. And then you're gonna do the same thing on the other side. Then. For the ankles, you're gonna go into a half kneeling position, get into your end range of ankle dorsiflexion, pails and rails uh, after the two minutes, and essentially what you're gonna do for pails is you're gonna be driving your toes down into the ground as hard as possible for 10 seconds, release, get a little bit further, and then rails will be your toes going up for 10 seconds. And then for tibial rotation, Again, all of these have to be pain-free. If they're not pain-free, then you're not ready. You're gonna be in a half kneeling position. And guess what? You're gonna rotate your foot in, keeping your knee where it is. And now we have some rotation into internal rotation of our um, tibia. And then pails and rails will be trying to push your foot against your, um, your fingers. And then rails will be trying to coming off it without lifting up the heel. And then you can do the same thing the other way, pails and rails here, pails and rails here. Those three for creating more um, range of motion, as well as ankle cars, knee cars, hip cars, finding um, exercises that are not um, required so much knee flexion like I'm in right now, this deep squat. And over time, it will get better. It's just being patient. And again, yes, you can layer on top some um, physical therapy, chiropractic, whatever it is, to kind of speed up the process. But a lot of times it's just 
finding what works, keeping at it for a very long time and the knee pain will go away. Again, the biggest thing when it comes to training around knee pain is to ensure you're not going through pain. And when pain is present, backing off and finding less range of motion within the exercise you're doing, eliminating the um, exercise completely or something else. So that being said, that was a lot of information. If you have any other questions based on knee pain or your knee pain specifically, let me know and I'm happy to help. Um, hit the show notes, add me on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe to my YouTube channel. For all those who are listening right now, hit the show notes and watch this video. I do demonstrate quite a bit of stuff. And that's it for me. If you guys have any more questions, feel free to reach out. And that's it. Until next time.